You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. It is hour number two. Coming up, Joe Biden says he's going to veto a bill protecting female sports. Now, um, this is one of the latest pieces of absurdity that uh, it's just become overwhelming that women are mad, men are mad for the women, and uh, and this is ridiculous. And it's going to do a face plant. And and I hope that women realize that the Democrat Party all they all they think you care about is abortion. That's it. All they think you care about is abortion or gun control. That's it. And it's pretty uh, pretty disgusting, actually. They distill the uh, the desires of American women to one issue, which is abortion, which, by the way, provides a pretty convenient out for male Democrats in the country. You know? So uh, we're going to get into that. And this, this kind of, I'll tell you why, it kind of hits home for me. Not only the fact that I have a daughter, um, I have a wife, I have a mother. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and they, they were all born women, you know. And, and uh, my mother was very proud of being a woman. She was never weak because she was a woman. She was always very proud. And I would venture to say uh, she would make a better president of the United States than uh, most Democrats any day of the week. Unfortunately, she's no longer with us. When I was a kid, I, I grew very quickly. And a lot of the times, you know, uh, girls uh, are, you know, start to mature earlier. A lot of times you'll notice that girls are taller in sixth grade than a lot of boys. And then boys around freshman year in high school just go boing, you know, well, in other ways. Uh, but anyway, I, <laughs> I was always really big. I was 5'8", 5'9", 170 pounds in sixth grade. I buy it an entire wrestling tournament. I know that's going to sound funny. I used to get leg cramps so badly because, you know, growing pains. My, my folks would have to carry me upstairs. Because I was growing very quickly. I did it before puberty. Ultimately, I topped out in eighth grade at 6'1 and 245 pounds. And I had 35 quarterback sacks because I was playing against kids who were, I mean, the next biggest kid on our team was 135 pounds. And he was huge. And one of the things that I had to do was uh, when it came to wrestling, I had to go wrestle with high school students. So literally, uh, one coach would drive me to our high school for wrestling practice in eighth grade because there were there was nobody in junior high who could wrestle me other than the coach, and they decided to send me to high school. And Iowa wrestling is a true no. They take it very seriously. I mean, they keep the like in the exercise room, they keep it above 100 degrees. You do 300 push-ups, 200 sit-ups, uh, all sorts of a sundry takedown. Uh, it is the it is the most brutal workout you can imagine. And there were some bigger kids on the high school wrestling team. And the kids who weren't bigger beat the snot out of me every single night. It was like, oh, soft eighth grader who's really big, let's just beat the snot out of him. And so I did every night. Now, it, what would happen today? Well, I'd say, you know, I'd say, uh, well, I've decided that I want to be a girl. And uh, then I could just go be uh, the girl and beat the snot out of the girls, right? Isn't that what it is? It's kind of funny. I've got a nephew who literally is, uh, he's in his 20s, and he is a head coach of the girls' wrestling team at a school uh, in Iowa. And no boys are wrestling on it. But, and so I, I understand how uh, kids can mature at different levels. But once you pass 18 years old, 
boys are always going to be girls. It's very obvious. It's very, very, very obvious. Even me at 57 years old, I can still push two plates, 245. I can still, uh, you know, curl 80, 70, 50, 60, you know, in, in descending order. I'm still very strong. I'm stronger than about 90% of the women uh, in the United States right now. I know that sounds very arrogant, but physical strength, yeah. Just, just the way it is, and I've been training my entire life. But that's just the way it is. And, and uh, the Democrat Party wants to <clears throat> side with a, uh, uh, a radical leftist uh, group of people over the uh, concerns of American women because all they care about is that women can get abortions. And so we'll, we'll get into this. I want to mention Carl Higby's got a new show on Newsmax. It's called uh, Front Line with Carl Rigby, uh, Higby. And, and Carl's a really good guy. I, uh, I've gotten to know him the last couple of years. He was a uh, former Navy SEAL. He joined the military right after 9-11. He quit school to defend our country. He is a brave man. He is a great guy. He's a down-to-earth guy. And you really ought to watch his show. <clears throat> if you want uh, a show you can connect with, he asks probing questions. He has great commentary. He's part of the uh, Newsmax powerful lineup. Greta von Susteru and I watched last night. Rob Schmidt, who's the he's a rock star. Jen Pellegrino. I mean, I could go on and on. Uh, just get the Newsmax app on your phone. You want to check it out, or just go to NewsmaxTV.com for listings. And of course, we're back on uh, on Directv at channel three forty nine, three forty nine. I think we should talk about uh, grilled season and Alejandro Mayorkas, the DHS secretary. I think we should do that. But first, we should hear something from Jim Gossett about our open southern border. Down in the West Texas town of El Paso, Biden blew our southern border by plan. Five million illegals. Joe won't go down there and deal with the crisis, cause he's a dunce and a senile old man. Did they ever find the solution? They were going to do that. The border's exploding because Biden's done nothing. Taking the week off hit in Delaware. Oh, yeah, he did it again this weekend after going to Ireland. People are suffering as laws are broken. Joe won't address it because he doesn't care. And he's got fake hair. I just threw that in there. Even the mayor who's a Democrat, he's really hacked up at Joe. Won't lift a finger, he lets chaos linger. Unless he's in an Six elevator. thousand what? a day cross the border, they go. With an intern. <clears throat> Trump's 42 is about to expire. Knowing Joe, he will allow it to die. He wants illegals as Democrat voters. Elections don't count. Kiss your freedoms. Goodbye. So, uh, by the way, 99% of foreign nationals scheduling appointments at the United States-Mexico border via President Joe Biden's Migrant Mobile app are being released into the nation's interior. 99% of them. So basically, if you grab the app, all you got to do is show the border and you're in. 
And Alejandro Mayorkas, he shows up with this arrogance and this hubris that is unbelievable, even though this little weasel should be, uh, he should be impeached and removed from office. Then they should begin criminal proceedings. But here he is yesterday preening before Congress and blaming all of this mayhem and murder. 100,000, uh, 108,000 drug ODs last year, 75% from, uh, from fentanyl and the largest growing group, 12 to 18 year olds. Uh, the policy of the prior administration to separate children from their parents was one of the most heinous uh, policies <laughs> no, didn't. Um, uh, in, um, in our uh, recent uh, memory, most certainly. Um, very proud of the work of the Family Reunification Task Force, which uh, I'm honored to lead. Wow. What we do is we enforce the law. But let me just say this. <laughs> You're yes. not. That's, uh, by the way, Josh Holly. You're not enforcing the law. It's a joke. And everybody knows it's a joke. And you, sir, are a joke. And by the way, the most sinister thing about this man is that he had to reveal last year in congressional testimony that the DHS had created a Department of Disinformation that had branches throughout the entire deep state into social media and the mainstream media, controlling the narrative on everything, just like the Soviet Union used to do it. And this man shows up after saying that border agents were whipping Haitian migrants and not defending his border agents. And he and he shows up. You know, the reason why he shows up at these hearings, well, he's compelled. And he also has no sense of shame whatsoever. It is remarkable. Let's go to Alice in Catonsville. I know she's been holding for a while. Alice, hello and welcome to the show. Sorry about the wait. Not, not at all, Rob. Love your show. You're wonderful. Uh, love everything about it. Um, I, I was just thinking about, you know, last hour you were talking about all of the gun violence and everything. And, you know, one of the um, uh, ways that the Democrats decided that, you know, we should try to deal with um, unwanted pregnancies and we should, you know, be careful about, you know, with um, uh, a whole bunch of uh, sexual viruses and all that is that we would have sex ed in schools. So um, if, if gun violence is such a problem, I think that we should have, uh, you know, gun education in schools again. So I mean, we yeah. have to have, like, gun clubs and all that. So why don't we do that we, so we can uh, yeah. educate kids on how to operate firearms safely. How about that? Alice, I would be completely down with that, but unfortunately the <laughs> teachers' unions are are, uh, are run by Democrats, and all they do is parrot the same talking points as the Democrat Party. I'm with you 100%, Alice, and I and I hate to, to, to do this, but, you know, when I grew up, here I go, and I grew up, me, Rob Carson, when I grew up in, the, in Iowa, uh, literally, the kids would show up and park their cars in the parking lots, and half the boys had pickup trucks with a gun rack in the back window. And nobody ever thought about going out and getting that shotgun and taking care of a bully or taking care of somebody. And nobody even thought about it. You know why? Because uh, if you even thought about it and your mom or dad got wind of it, you got your head knocked in. You know, that's just the way it was. Um, but, it, but it is. It's ridiculous. I appreciate the phone call, Alice. When I was a kid, I mean, literally, we kept loaded guns in the house. You're crazy. No, no. We respected them. When we go to target practice with my brother Larry, uh, we'd stand out there. He was a police officer, and we'd put cans on the fence post or a pumpkin or whatever, and you'd get the gun, and you'd point it barrel down, and then you'd go and take your shot. And if you had your foot an inch in front of my brother's foot while he was shooting, you got smacked upside the head. My mom kept a gun in her uh, in her 
nightstand till the day she died. My dad kept shotguns in the house loaded. That's just the way it was. We respected guns, and guns are a part of American culture created because we had used citizenry to overthrow a very uh, totalitarian regime. Citizens did it, and they used their weapons of war. Okay, that's why it was. It wasn't because they were trying to put down a slave rebellion. That's ridiculous on the face of it. Ridiculous on the face of it. It was created because we had just crawled away from this totalitarian regime using our own weapons, and they created an amendment that guaranteed that people would be able to keep and bear arms to defend themselves against enemies, foreign and domestic and they, after that conflict, the military conflict that they won, did not create the Second Amendment for turkey hunting or target practice. They created it so average citizens could possess weapons of war. I know. But what about tanks? Oh, you know, really? No, not at all. It's not even, not even the same argument. But that's why it was created. I hate to tell you this, <laughs> but that's just the way it was created. Oh, oh, I got to get into the, uh, the, gorilla, the, uh, the grilling here. Uh, we just heard from Alejandro Mayorkas. This is uh, the great Josh Hawley throwing uh, Alejandro on the grill with regard to uh, the southern border and his abject failure being in charge of it. It is stunning to me, stunning to hear you say that the prior administration reunited children with their parents. Oh, I see. When so this fact, is their fault. When in so fact, you're not going to take any responsibility for the indentured servitude and exploitation of children that is happening on your watch. A moment ago, you were crowing about the fact yeah. that you treated children so well, yeah. and yet we find tens of thousands of children who are forced to work as slaves yeah. because of your policies, and you turn around and blame a prior administration. By the way, in the state of Iowa, they just lowered the uh, age that you can to work in uh, places like meatpacking plants. They did that in Minnesota, too. Uh, try to tell me the Democrats and Republicans in, aren't in on this. A little bit more from Mayorkas on the other side of the break. The number is 800-922-6680. Back in a second. His first grade teacher said he talked out of turn. Worse after he's missed a day. Well, things haven't changed. It's the Rob Carson Show. Turns out that China has uh, six illegal police stations across the United States. The FBI shut down a Manhattan outpost used to spy and harass dissidents, by the way. Hey, there's one in Omaha, Nebraska, my hometown. Yeah, yeah, what they're doing is they've got, uh, literally, they have police stations around the country to go after Chinese dissidents. Imagine what it would be like if the United States set up American police offices in uh, in China. It wouldn't work out so well, would it? Or or build battery factories featuring and uh, a, a, an office for the Chinese Communist Party in, uh, in a state like Michigan. Do you suppose that would happen in China? It's kind of interesting. U.S. and Western authorities have warned China's government has increasingly exerted pressure to silence critics abroad. Oh, and by the way, hundreds, if not thousands, of Chinese military-age men are streaming across the southern border. Did, did you know that? You didn't know about that, did you? But otherwise, uh, nothing really to worry about, right? I mean, nothing else to worry about there. Just a whole bunch of military-age Chinese men coming across the open southern border. There is, uh, there is that. I'll, I'll share details on that coming up. I want to get to a little bit more of uh, 
Uh, Josh Hawley here real quick, and Alejandro Mayorkas, who's supposed to be in charge of the border, but five or six or seven million people have come across the border. 99% of those who get the app to illegally cross the border get in and aren't screened, including military-aged men from China. Mr. Secretary, this is par for the course for you. You do it every time you appear before this committee. You do it every time you appear before Congress. I, for one, am sick and tired of it, and thousands of children are in physical danger, danger, because of what you are doing. You know what would be good with a nice grilled Mayorkas is some nice uh, fresh sweet corn. I mean, wouldn't that be great? Maybe you could throw some portobello mushroom caps on there, turn them upside down, put a little soy sauce, garlic, and ginger in there. That would be fantastic. Oh, oh, hey, we got another chef here. This is Senator Roger Marshall. He wants to grill up some uh, Mayorkas here. Let's go ahead and throw that, throw that guy on the grill. Mr. Secretary, you are derelict in your duties. I would be derelict to not do something about this. And that's why I have a draft resolution here that I intend to introduce in the coming days that would require the Senate to take a vote of no confidence on Secretary Mayorkas. As I've stated on the record before, I stand at the ready to receive articles of impeachment from the House and conduct an impeachment trial in this body. I hope that happens, and I hope that he is brought up on criminal charges eventually as well. Oh, 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 about the uh, Chinese military-aged uh, males coming across the southern border. Check it out. New video taken on the ground along Central America's Darien Gap shows hundreds of military-aged Chinese men headed toward the U.S. Anthony Rubin owns MuckRaker.com, took that video, and joins me now. Anthony, thanks for being here. Why are they coming? Are they Thank seeking this? No problem. Why are they coming? Are they seeking asylum or something potentially more nefarious? Oh, I'm leaning toward the nefarious after nefarious, the nefarious after the Chinese spy balloon, uh, you know, and all that, and the million barrels of oil coming from our strategic oil reserve into China. We sold it to it, and Joe Biden being bought and paid for by the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, listen, I'm not here to speculate. I'm going to let your audience watch the video and you guys can come to your own conclusion. I don't <laughs> yeah. really want to get into all that, but the yeah. video speaks for itself. I think I put up two of, uh, you know, showing the line of these military age males that are lining up to get on these buses, buses to come up here. That's happening every day, multiple times a day down there. So, again, I'm not going to speculate. Um, you know, if you have a more specific question, I, you know, we can get into that. It certainly doesn't look good. Uh, I'll tell you that much. Certainly doesn't look good. Just for now, the- if, if uh, hundreds and maybe even thousands of American military-aged men were sneaking across the border into China, how long do you suppose that would last? Yeah, it, it wouldn't even happen. The geography perspective, I'll press you on that. If they wanted to come to America, yeah. which is here, yeah. from China, which is here, yeah. why would they come through Latin America, which is all the way down there, and much more indirect? Oh, I, I know, I know, I know, I know. Call me. Okay, I'll let him answer. Uh, right. So, I mean, this would be for people who can't fly into the U.S. directly. So what they do is they get on a flight and they fly into some South American country. Uh, this is Anthony Rubin from muckraker.com. Then from there, they would go to Colombia. They would go across the jungle, pop out in Panama, and then they would head up to the United States. But this is going to be for people that can't fly into the U.S. directly because you're correct. It wouldn't make sense. You'd rather just fly into the U.S. and overstay your visa. Um, this is for people that don't have that access for whatever reason. Um, we're under assault. In case you haven't figured it out, there's a reason why five to seven million people are coming across the border. There is a reason why we are enabling, not we, but our federal government is enabling a wholesale illegal invasion into the United States of America. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm not a panic monger. I, I don't watch uh, the nightly news to be freaked out, but uh, you, you're going to be, have to be ready.
because right now we are under assault. We have been for a couple of years. We are in the middle of a conflict in our country. We are being attacked by China. We are being attacked by the left in this country. We are being attacked by our deep state. We are being attacked by this administration. I could go on and on. I'm just saying, be ready for anything. Okay? Not trying to scare anybody. I'm just saying, be ready. Coming up, MTG's got some unbelievable news about the Biden crime family that could end up putting some of them in jail. That's on the way. It's the Rob Carson Show. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Joe Biden has always been a punchline. Now he's just a joke. It's the Rob Carson Show. It is the Rob Carson Show. I can't think of somebody who I'd like to talk to more this morning than or this afternoon than New Hampshire GOP Vice Chair Ryan Terrell, considering what's happening in America's inner cities in places like Chicago over the weekend where 35 people were shot, eight were uh, fatally shot, including uh, 17-year-old, 21-year-old, 20-year-old, 32-year-old, 31-year-old, 20 21-year-old, 20-year-old, 14-year-old, 16-year-old, 17-year-old. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking maybe we got a problem in America's inner cities with uh, the desecration of the family and the celebration of uh, of violence and the, the, uh, not criminalization, but people literally looking at kids who succeed in school and making them into pariahs for some reason. And uh, uh, Mr. Terrell joins us on the Newsmax Hotline. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me today, Rob. I'm excited to talk with you and your listeners. I've been uh, uh, checking out your uh, Twitter feed today, and uh, you were raised by a middle-class family in New Orleans. How did you end up in New Hampshire? Yes, yes, I am. So I ended up in New Hampshire in 2011 after receiving an academic scholarship to Southern New Hampshire University. You know, before this year, people thought I was moving up to Canada when I told them I was going to New Hampshire from Louisiana. (laughs) But I moved up here. I graduated in 2014. And now I proudly call myself New Orleans Hardware and New Hampshire Software. So I'm loving it up here. (laughs) That is fantastic. Um, You know, uh, I I would imagine, uh, Ryan, that you get a little... Uh, pushback from Democrats, uh, particularly people of color, when you mention that you are the New Hampshire GOP vice chair. What is the reaction that you get generally? What have you What have you had to deal with uh, uh, becoming a member of the the Republican Party? You know, it's a great question, and, and I would honestly say that a little bit is a massive understatement. So, not only am I met with pushback. But often when I write op-eds, when I talk about my values and why I align myself with the Republican Party, when I talk about my love for America and the traditional conservative values that built this country, when I talk about the love for God that I have and how it instills everything that I do, not only do I get pushback from Democrats, but I openly get called extremely racist and divisive terms. I've never been called anything racist or discriminatory from anyone else except leftists and Democrats. I've been openly called an Uncle Tom when I was first nominated to the State Board of Education. I was called a token by a Democrat that was sitting in office. 
And so not only are the ad hocs attack on me as a person, but me as an individual, a black American who's proud of this country and who's proudly Republican, I represent exactly the opposite of how they see the world. Democrats and leftists see America as systemically racist, where I know that it's been the greatest engine for human prosperity and flourishing in humankind. And so the reaction is always negative. The reaction is always adverse. And so my role is to stand up proudly and really talk about our history and who Republicans actually are. Ryan, I have been saying for years that the uh, America is the greatest engine of individual and economic freedom in the history of mankind. If it were not for America, you'd still be pooping in a shack outside your house, and we wouldn't be flying anywhere, and you'd be traveling across the country, take you three months to get there, and half of your party would die of diphtheria. All right, so uh, I'm kind of done with that. But I think it's interesting you said that. Uh, one thing I, I um, th- that I really find troubling is uh, the disconnect between uh, middle-class people of color living in suburbs, uh, taking care of their kids, sending them to the school, and what's happening in America's inner cities, and the seeming, not only the disconnect, but the lack of, like, uh, you don't hear as much concern. You don't hear from uh, people living in the suburbs about what's happening in the inner cities. It's kind of like you don't hear white suburbia talking about uh, trailer uh, trailer parks and meth labs in uh, in Arkansas. Why, why is that? Why is there a disconnect? Why is there no concern for the kids dying in in America's inner cities? I agree with you that there is a willful ignorance and a willful lack of attention towards the extreme violence. And what I would argue is a narco-terrorism that's been afflicting overwhelmingly minority communities. And I also should mention overwhelmingly run Democrat communities across the country. This is not new. Growing up in New Orleans, Louisiana, in a middle-class household, I certainly am not new to understanding how violent it is when I was growing up. New Orleans was the murder capital of the United States as it sat several times since. And so dangerous environments being really in danger of people that look like you, meaning other black Americans or minorities, taking your life was the norm. I never was raised to be scared of police officers. I was always understanding that if there was any violence that could be put upon me, it would be other black Americans. And I think the reason why that's willfully ignored by corporate media outlets and other pundits is because first, they benefit from proposing solutions to try to solve this problem. That's yes. what you have with DEI. That's what you have with these professionals who try to obfuscate the facts and try to use systemic racism as the boogeyman. But then also what it highlights is poor Democrat progressive policies that have directly caused those deteriorations, not only in the family, but also in those communities. And so it's a twofold issue. The reason why they're yes. willfully ignoring those facts is because it, it shows a mirror on their own inadequacy. This is spectacular. This, these, these are things that I've been saying forever. And I'm a white guy, Ryan. I've just been, <laughs> I, dude, I have been since as long as I've been in radio, which is longer than you've been alive, I have been fighting for inner city kids. And I've thus far, in the 30 years that I've done this, I've seen now the second generation this happened and it keeps going on and democrats never have a solution you know why let me tell you my story here when it comes to black people democrats make all sorts of promises all sorts of this is going to get better and that's going to get better and they and they promise and you're going to get this and you're going to do and we're going to fix and the schools and the whole deal then the day of the election happens the next morning they leave some money on the dresser and they get up and leave and i use that metaphor uh proudly because that's the way it is all they care about and that's why they never talk about the inner cities because they know they have those votes 
They know they have the votes. And you hit the nail on the head. They aren't looking for solutions. They have a reliable block of voters that they can string along. But I think, Ryan, we've kind of reached critical mass. Chicago was an example over the weekend with this Lori Lightfoot saying all these kids who came downtown to destroy and wreck and rob and injure and all that. They were just kids out enjoying a nice spring day. And I think we've reached critical mass where people are finally realizing we're being lied to. I agree with you. Black Americans, people of all races and backgrounds are waking up because the facts are now obvious. When you look at what's happening in these overwhelmingly Democrat-run cities, when you look at progressive, soft-on-crime policies that promote anarcho-terrorism, what you're referencing in Chicago is a version of anarcho-terrorism that's being allowed by state and local governments in pursuit of what they call soft-on-crime progressive politics. And so it's really sad because everyday rational people, regardless of their race and background, are looking at this, and frankly, they're scared for their family and their overall well-being. You're seeing businesses of all levels flee these cities. And so the worst thing about this, and what you're describing is really pathological altruism, this idea that because you care so much that you can overlook the unintended consequences, that is not only harmful for black Americans and other minorities, but it's frankly stifling our American exceptionalism. And I believe that it may morally bankrupt us if we don't make a sharp course direction. That is, I, I, I just don't even believe this. Um, you know, you are, you are right here with me on so many of these things I've been talking about for so many years. Uh, I just think it's amazing that, uh, I mean, you, you, you get it. Let me ask you about your, your childhood. You, you were raised a middle-class family. You had devoted family. Were you raised by grandparents? Were you raised by mom and dad? I saw that on the, on the post this morning. Tell me about your upbringing. upbringing. Family. No, I appreciate that. And, and my family upbringing is certainly central to who I am as, as everybody. And so I'm originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. My family has always been middle class. I'm a proud byproduct of public schools. My mother made it her frank job to make sure that I was always exposed to the highest level of public education possible. That meant that she would wake up early in the mornings and drop me off an hour and a half away in Algiers to a charter school. It meant that she constantly involved me in summer school programs and Sunday school. I constantly was at my grandmother's house who encouraged me to read. My grandmother would not buy me anything unless it came out of a Borders or a Barnes and Noble. I was constantly involved in learning. And so I come from a traditional nuclear family. And yes, my dad was back and forth in our household and he had his own problems with alcoholism. But for the most part, you include my uncles and my grandfather, I had the great blessing to know my great-grandfather. He lived well past 100 years old. These are the people who inspired these traditional conservative values in me, and they never sat me down and told me this stuff. I simply watched what they did. My grandmother barely earning a a high school diploma, starting her own salon business. My grandfather in the same predicament coming from the deep south in Mississippi, being given away, starting his own dirt-hauling business. My mother taking care of me and making sure that I was constantly inundated with love and a a love of reading and learning. That's what propels me on the State Board of Education. That's what propels my love and overwhelming advocacy for traditional values. Because this success sequence, a nuclear family with some type of a religious background, marriage, and then having children and buying a household in that sequence is the undoubted, unproven best methodology for social progress, regardless of your race. And so that's what I proudly promote as a part of our GOP platform.
You know, I want to believe you, but I think you're a white supremacist. Uh, because, you know, <laughs> uh, honestly, you, you, not the first time. Here's the deal, bud. Um, listen, I heard just literally a few weeks ago that, the, you know, I've driven my kids to school every day. You know why? Because I like being with my kids. Uh, and, I, and I've had a schedule where I could do it. But I heard that driving your kid to school was white supremacist. Clearly, your grandparents were white supremacists. And consequently, I think you are as well. Oh, I mean, listen, <laughs> this, this new race-based group is an offshoot of the 60s. They want us to be back in this 60s civil rights era. They yes. emphasize that period. Yes. And so the reality is that black Americans have not only succeeded, but they've overwhelmingly succeeded despite our terrible history in the yes. of coming from slavery. I was taught to be proud of the fact that our ancestors rose from being enslaved by yes. Democrats. This yes. is the biggest crack in their armor is that <laughs> Democrats are always talking about America's deep-seated hatred and white supremacy, America's Jim Crow South. But what they obfuscate from those facts is they are the original enslavers. They are the party that didn't want women to have voting rights. They are the party that overwhelmingly crushed Americans' dreams by telling them and resegregating public institutions. And then they claim that the party switched. This is a party that from its founding, the oldest party in America, the Democrat Party, has based its entire history on racism. But now they hide it behind loving terms like DEI and affirmative action and harm reduction. These are just subversive terms that hide the fact that these are the same racist policies from the 17 and 1800s, just modernized and washed down today. Let me ask you a question. Uh, where is the uh, where is the Jackie Robinson of uh, of Namibia? <clears throat> Anybody? Uh, where's the where's the Wilma Rudolph of uh, Chad? Where is the Martin Luther King Jr. of Ukraine? Uh, the United States of America has uh, is, has its sins with regard to race, and certainly the original sin of slavery, which existed around the world. We had states in America, colonies that never had slaves before the Declaration of Independence. But the greatest black people in world history have come, uh, not exclusively, but certainly. I mean, when you look at the list and the impact on humanity. From the United States of America. There's no doubt about that. And I'll also mention, have you ever seen the uh, Chinese uh, uh, Olympic team, Ryan? I have. Yeah, they're all Chinese. I thought you should know that. And not, not very diverse. Not very diverse. So I'd say America's pretty amazing. Ryan Terrell, would you, could you hold on for another quick segment? I, I'm enjoying the conversation. There's a few things I'd still like to cover, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right, my friend. Hold on a little bit more from uh, Ryan Terrell, the uh, New Hampshire GOP vice chair. Uh, outstanding. I'm loving this. If you want to call 800-922-6680, this is The Rob Carson Show. To all the American haters and anthem kneelers. I think it's misguided to protest the anthem and the flag. Yeah, we're done with you. It's The Rob Carson Show. Talking to a very impressive individual, a New Hampshire GOP vice chair, Ryan Terrell. I was reading, you know, Ryan, I had a, I, you know, I never understood the white privilege thing, you know, because I grew up on a farm. My father left when I was seven. I started working in fields when I was 10 years old. We got government cheese when I was like 12. We thought, uh, my guy, we thought it was a gift from heaven. We never got any aid from the government. We never got food stamps or anything. But one summer we got government cheese and we were like eating grilled cheese without the, without the bread. It was like a gift from God. We never lived so large. And I'm reading on your, on your textbook. Or on your on your on your uh, Twitter, it says here you lost everything when Hurricane Katrina destroyed 
uh, uh, New Orleans. You lived on dollar store food. Tell us about that experience and uh, and growing up and becoming uh, self-reliant and, and what you learned from the, the difficulties you went through when you were growing up. Sure. At 14 years old, Hurricane Katrina caused me to be relocated like several other New Orleans residents and, frankly, people that lived in the Gulf Coast. And when I packed my bags to relocate, me and my mother and my immediate family didn't know that we'd never see home again. But when I packed my bags, and as you could imagine, it was very light. If you've ever met or been a 14-year-old boy, you know we don't pack that heavy. So I had a couple of pairs of shorts. I had a few pairs of shirts and stuff like that. But my mother made sure that I packed my high school uniform because she said no matter where we were, if it became the week of school, I was going to show up to somebody's school and I was going to have a school uniform when I showed up. And so when we left New Orleans, we thankfully evacuated three days before landfall. We went to Mississippi. We lived without power for the first four weeks or so. And we stayed in hotels. I don't know how they were paid for. I was too young to understand the finances. But what I did know is that all eight of us, all the way up until my great-grandfather, my great-aunt, we moved as a unit and lived off of the kindness of strangers, our own fortitude, and our love for the Lord. Because what happened is we would call into the FEMA hotline almost every day. We would sit on the phone, and I would largely do it and sit on the phone for hours trying to find some type of an apartment aid or some type of rent assistance or food programs. We were never provided that information. So for years, I went through different states, attended several different high schools, and basically went from blow-up mattresses on the floor to sleeping on blankets on hotel floors. You know, when I was going to school, not only was I dealing with the regular pressures that every other young person is going through, but I literally only had the clothes that I left Katrina with. Often, some of my clothes still had mildew on it because we couldn't regularly wash our clothes and they would sit and have to air dry and not even be done before I had to go to school the next day. I got to tell you, though, Ryan, I'm I'm a little disappointed. I mean, you should be demanding reparations right now. (laughs) So I think the reason why my whole bent is the way that it is is because that experience not only showed me that where you are is where you are and you can make a home anywhere, but it showed me that in this country, not only can you start over, but you can actually use what looks like something terrible as an opportunity. Because I left New Orleans, I was able to not only see the country, but ultimately wind up right outside of Baton Rouge, going to a very good high school and having a great high school experience, graduating and moving on to college, and using that experience of hardship and adversity, instead of falling to a victimhood narrative, I used it to strengthen my character and my resolve. Not everybody reacts like that. I wish more people do. But in this country of victimhood narrative and pushing systemic racism on children and infantilizing their minds and telling yes. them that they can't control their livelihoods, yep. we are decreasing America's ability to do that more and more. Ryan, I'm with you. I had a very rough childhood. I, I won't even begin to get into it. Poor, abused, uh, bullied, the whole deal. Um, and and I, if I had the opportunity to do it again, I'd probably have to keep it the same because it got me to where I am right now. And it's been a hell of a bumpy road, I'll tell you that right now. Uh, but I am, uh, I am grateful for your time today. I made the reparations joke because I believe in cities like uh, San Francisco. This is an attempt to cover up the uh, malfeasance of the Democrat Party and its
its policies by offering, uh, you know, a little pittance to people uh, to make up for their failures to get to to make sure that they get their votes. So that's why I brought that up. Listen, we got to run, Ryan. I have really appreciate. We own New Hampshire, by the way. We're on five stations, and I plan on coming out there very soon. I would love to meet you, and I'd love to have you back on the show. I would love to speak with you again. I'm certainly open to meeting in person. Let me know when right. you come back down. I'll certainly show you a great New Hampshire time. And thank okay. you for letting me speak to you and your listeners. Really a great new, a conversation. All right. God bless you, my friend. We'll talk soon. Uh, let's take a break. It's a Rob Carson show. And I admitted yesterday on the show that I have come out as non-Bidenary. And I would hope that if you are non-Bidenary, that you are proud Proud to be non-Bidenary. By the way, uh, Carl Higby's got a new show on Newsmax. Carl Higby's Frontline. Uh, Carl's a pretty amazing dude. He uh, he was like 19 years old. He's a freshman in college in 2001, and uh, some planes flew into the World Trade Center in a field in Pennsylvania, and uh, and the Pentagon, and he quit, and he joined the military, and he became a, a Navy SEAL. And uh, this guy's uh, an amazing character. I spoke to him on a number of occasions. He is a terrific news anchor. Uh, he is a real connected person. Loves to hunt, by the way. He's a hell of a... He, I love talking to him about uh, big game hunting and, and uh, whatnot. But he has a great show. And if you get a chance, check it out. It's 5 o'clock Eastern every evening. Carl Higby, Frontline. And you can uh, download the free Newsmax uh, app on your phone. Newsmax is everywhere. You can also see it back on uh, DirecTV and Channel 349, among other things. Oh, uh, here's um, a couple of things going on. Good, good news, actually. Damar Hamlin. His cardiac arrest January the 2nd, can you believe it? Apparently was caused by commodio cordis. It's a direct blow to the chest that disrupts heart, heart rhythm. And I know many people are saying, well, it's, you know, it could be the vaccine. And it, you know, it could. You know, they, I, I don't doubt that young athletes are collapsing on fields because, you know, vaccine uh, bears reaction. I know this. Dear God, I've done enough research. But it appears that he, uh, he had an on-field uh, cardiac arrest. It's called commodio cordis. I had a friend of mine when I was a kid got hit in the chest by a fastball on the pitcher's mound. And uh, the same thing happened. He survived, which is remarkable. Remarkable, but uh, apparently that's what they're saying. Uh, it hit him as a specific point, and and I saw you you saw him get hit kind of in the chest, and he kind of stood there and then he went down. Well, apparently it is a leading cause of sudden cardiac death in young athletes, according to the NIH, and that was before the COVID vaccination. But he's okay. He's back. He's going to be playing. You know, he's going to be playing. And and I'll just tell you that it's it's frightening. Um, I didn't have anything that what he had happen. I was 31 years old, and I had a heart attack uh, one morning, and I had and strep throat. And uh, uh, kind of, I guess you could, could say uh, there was an inflammation around the heart lining, which happens with infections, particularly like, you know why they give you antibiotics at the dentist? Because when you swallow the stuff that's in a rotten tooth, it can make you really sick and get in the heart lining of your heart. It can. It can. So uh, I had that, and, and, you know, I had to carry nitroglycerin in my pocket for a year. That's, as a 31-year-old man, formerly bench-pressing 350 pounds, told the next day you can walk one mile an hour on a, on a treadmill, and, uh, and you, you don't push too hard when you go to the bathroom. <laughs> you know? I can't imagine being an NFL player. Heart stops on the field, and he's going to play. It's remarkable. And, you know, I got to tell you, that was a that that was a turning moment for me. It was because I'll never forget that night. You know, we we're all I, I'll never forget that night. 
because uh, his heart stopped and so did the hearts of millions of Americans. We all stopped and nobody cared about the color of his skin. I remember that night and, and you see people standing up in the crowd and turning, stepping out into the, the walkway and turning so they could lead prayers with people. It was amazing and I have no doubt that faith had a uh, a place in his healing. And you can, you know, if you want to poo-poo that, I don't even care. But uh, that's what I believe. So I'm just really glad that he's that he's happy. Also, I want to throw this in here because this is another thing you need to be uh, concerned about. Proof that vapes are getting a new generation hooked on nicotine. A report finds that millions of people who've never smoked cigarettes in their lives are taking up the habit. And I got to tell you, I have seen this um, uh, in a number of individuals and young people who thought that maybe vaping was a safe alternative. I always thought it would have been such a blessing when my father was dying of cancer in 1994, and he could not give up smoking. You've heard this, maybe you haven't heard this. There's an old song, smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. Puff, 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 if you smoke yourself to death, you know. And he did, and, and he would plug the hole in his throat so he could uh, he could smoke. It was, it was addiction, dear God in heaven. I can't even imagine addiction like that. But uh, but this is happening with young people around the country, and I've seen it up close. And I uh, hope that you know you might have a conversation with the kids about vaping because it is uh, insidious. It really is. Um, I heard, and I see all the time on social media, young people saying, I've been off vaping for a month. I've been off vaping for two months. It is really, really, really bad. Really bad. All right, let's talk about uh, Joe Biden, the Biden crime family. Four subpoenaed banks are complying with James Comer's probe into the Biden businesses. I think this is going to be the end of Joe Biden's presidency. They're going to figure out a, an easy way to get him out. Nobody wants him to run for president. He won't be mentally or physically able to run for president. I think this is how they're going to get him out. But, you know, that's just my, that's just my gut. Uh, you know, if, if there were any justice in this country and if there weren't a uh, uh, two-sided legal system, uh, the Biden family would be up on charges and would go to jail, including Joe Biden. But we all know what the chances that that happened. April 10th, four banks, one individual were disclosed by Comer as subpoenaed. These banks include Bank of America, which also provided the FBI, FBI with bank records for people who went to Washington, D.C. for the January the 6th protest. Did you know that? I bet you didn't know that, did you? No, you didn't know that. Cafe Bank, which I don't even know, Cafe Bank. Uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. Cafe Bank sounds like somebody from a sitcom. Ladies and gentlemen, starring Cafe Bank and, you know, Malcolm Jabal Warner. Anyway, um, HSBC USA. Also, four banks have complied with uh, Comer's subpoenas. Be careful with that word. So we have that. The Biden family suspicious activities reports. There were dozens and dozens of them held at the U.S. Treasury. Comer uncovered in March that a top Biden associate received $3 million wire transfer from a Chinese energy company, CEFC. Four Biden family family members, including Biden's uh, stepdaughter, got uh, thousands of dollars, even though she's an elementary school teacher. And they don't have any product that they make. They don't build stuff. They just uh, sell influence. This is Marjorie Taylor Greene. She got a hold of some of these documents yesterday. 
she's a nut. No, she's not. No, you, they just call her that because she's a, a very strong conservative and she's outspoken. I don't agree with everything she says, but she saw these documents held by the U.S. Treasury, and here's what she had to say, and, and this is all going to uh, come out eventually. It's all going to become so very, very apparent that even the mainstream media has to acknowledge it. We just uh, finished reviewing the financial records in the Treasury. Uh, what I saw was over 2,000 pages of jaw-dropping information. Uh, there's basically an enterprise wrapped around Joe Biden uh, involving not only multiple family members, more than we thought there were, but other people as well. Uh, just a complete conglomerate of LLC shell companies where money was passing through from foreign countries, China, Ukraine, but many more countries than just those. There's a lot of information the American people deserve to know of the Biden family and the crimes they've been involved in. And the Oversight Committee has a much bigger investigation to do than we ever thought was possible. Yeah. Uh, now, there is apparently more evidence that it was not just Hunter Biden who was linked to Russian prostitutes. You ever notice that? Uh, he was really big into the whole prostitutes thing. He liked to videotape himself with prostitutes. He has no shame. He's a really really sick man he's a really not a good person i mean dear god in heaven who does that who does what he did on video what kind of person does that what kind of family does this according to mtg the house oversight committee has evidence the entire biden crime family was involved in human trafficking that involves prostitutes from russia ukraine and the united states huh huh and there's a whole lot of kids being trafficked across the southern border, being sold right into that sex trafficking by the thousands. Here's a little bit more from MTG yesterday after reviewing official government documents held by the U.S. Treasury. Um, I just saw evidence of human trafficking. Uh, this involved prostitutes, not only from here in the United States, but foreign countries wow. like Russia and Ukraine. Uh, this is this is unbelievable wow, wow, wow. that a president and a former vice president, uh, not only his son, Hunter Biden, but many more family members extending past Hunter Biden and his immediate family. Uh, we're going to have to really get to work. This is an investigation that needs to be revealed to the American people. And not only do we have questions about Hunter Biden himself, but this is going to extend into developing a web of uh, corruption, a web of fake companies uh, that's going to reveal money that came in from many foreign countries and went directly into the personal bank accounts of the Biden family. We're yeah, at some point, it's just, I mean, it's its laughable. You know, you've got a, uh, a DA in New York City who has to literally dig <clears throat> and find uh, uh, stuff that has passed the, uh, the statute of limitations with regard to Donald Trump, twisted into some sort of a national <clears throat> uh, campaign finance violation. It's nonsense. And they come up with 34 fake felonies that even Democrats are saying are nonsense. And then you've got this. It really is uh, ridiculous. This is John Levine of the New York Post. Uh, and... And he's talking about the Biden crime family. This is, it's getting ridiculous. It's like whack-a-mole. It's like a clown car. There's just new Bidens popping out of, out of every hole. It's like, you know, a month ago, we saw three Bidens had benefited from this Chinese company. They received over a million dollars. Hunter, Uncle James, and Hallie Biden. Now we Old Uncle James. We have six more unnamed Bidens who are also benefiting 
from the same slew of business deals, and they didn't sell anything. If I had any of these people at a family reunion and it was a potluck, I wouldn't touch any of the food. The Bidens don't make anything. They don't manufacture anything. There's no reason for this amount of money to be exchanged except for access to his father. There's no other logical conclusion. Uh, John, you are the man in black. Yeah, there you go. There's no other reason. Should become fairly obvious. You know why I know they're corrupt? Because I'm not stupid. All the crooked Bidens have always been a close family. When they make a dirty deal, the big guy gets a nice fee. This is Jim Gossett. Joe must get his cut. Yeah, that's their one condition. Well, what is that, Jim? Raking in dough Hunter and Joe is a family tradition. Folks ask him, why do you drink? And why do you do coke? And prostitutes. If your name weren't Biden, you would be flat broke. You could be a joke. Your Uncle James, he's a crook too. He's always under suspicion. What does that mean? Crime we know to Hunter and Joe. It's a family tradition. (laughs) The new house can't bend. They must end this family tradition. There you go, there you go. Uh, by the way, if you want to check out the podcast with all of the parodies and all of the great guests and, and everything, uh, we take the daily radio program. We divide it up into two podcasts every day so you can share it with other people. And uh, I'd really appreciate if you share it with other people because the show, we're getting on stations. It's a great, it's a process, not an event. But if you would uh, subscribe and share, that would be huge. You want a complete list, just go to Newsmax.com slash listen, Newsmax.com slash listen. Coming up, Joe Biden says he's going to veto a bill that protects female sports. That's after this. It's the Rob Carson Show. The left burned our cities. They told us to hate America as founded. Well, we're not only saying no, we're saying hell no. It's the Rob Carson Show. I think it was Victor Davis Hanson I just heard say that uh, when it comes to all this woke nonsense, all of these things that we know are nonsense. He said what I've been saying for a couple of years, and that is just say no. Just say no. I'm not playing along with your nonsense. I, uh, honestly, I'm not going to have a debate with you. I'm not going to. I will tell you that I will do everything I can to kick your butt legislatively uh, and whatnot. But I'm, I'm really through with this uh, nonsense, the nonsense that a man can be uh, ranked 450th in, in men's swimming in college until his junior year, then switch uh, teams, I mean, sexuality teams become a woman supposedly keep his uh, bait and tackle and still date women and become the number one female swimmer honestly if you think that's real you need to have your head examined i'm not big on uh you know medicating your your mental issues but i gotta tell you if you are down with that you are out of your mind and I'm not afraid to say it because I'm tired of being told I can't. I'm tired of you know, You can't say anything about it because you're a transphobe, you're a homophobe, and all that. Nonsense. It's nonsense. You know why I say it? Because I got a daughter and I got a wife. My, my, my wife was a marathoner for a while. Wasn't really competitive. She just did it to prove she could do it. But, you know, uh, people like Riley Gaines, for their whole lives training. I saw Riley Gaines speak, and I, I got some audio from her. 
She'd swim three hours in the morning before school, then th- three hours in the afternoon. Six hours in the pool every day. And her senior year, this jackweed, Leah Thomas, used to be William, comes in and ties her for one race. He gets to keep the trophy for a photo op. She had to have hers mailed. She was treated like crap. Absolutely like crap. And you know what's really amazing? Who is this person I, I heard the other day uh, on The View? Hold on, let me see if I can find this. This woman on The View said that conservative uh, Christians are essentially uh, like the Taliban. So let me, uh, let me find that real quick. I, saw that. I, I was going to play that in a little while. Uh, here she is. Yeah, listen, this is Patty Lapone with Whoopi talking about conservative Americans being like the Taliban with women. This before and I'm going to get in trouble. But I have said this before and it's been in print. I don't know what the difference between our Christian right and the Taliban is. I have no idea what the difference is. You're not the only person who's said that. I don't, I, I, I just don't know what the difference is. Um, well, because we don't enslave women and we don't uh, keep women from going to school and we want babies to be born. And honestly, uh, the, the, I could think of nothing more Taliban-esque than replacing women with men. Right? Isn't that what the Taliban essentially does? Replaces women with men at universities, in jobs, in government office? Isn't that what's happening here? Women being replaced with men? Get the woman of the year. You're a middle manager, middle level manager, white guy with kids married, and, and all of a sudden you decide to become Rachel Levine and become the woman of the year? You see, I'd say that's a little more Taliban-esque, wouldn't you? Yeah, a little more Taliban-esque. Yesterday, the Secretary of Education, are you sitting for this? This is the guy in charge of education. Miguel Cardona. I, I want you to think about it. half of the kids in school are girls. I want you to know that having a girl, having the kids in school are, are girls. More than half are college students are girls. And he's asked yesterday. I, I I swear to God, and this is where I'm done with the nonsense. And if you're down with what this man is saying, you need to get medication. Honestly, you, I mean it, one thousand percent. Get some help because you're mentally ill. Here he is being asked what a woman is has no clue. What is a woman? Uh, our focus at the department is to provide equal access to students, including students who are uh, LGBTQ. That's not the access free question. from discrimination. Yeah, that's not the answer. Okay. Is that so? What's the def? What's the definition of a woman? You haven't given me that. You haven't answered no, my question. I think yeah. that's almost secondary to the important no. role that I have as Secretary of Education. No. My question Make is sure not secondary. My question is yeah, very simple. What is the def? What does HHS say the definition of a woman is? Uh, I lead the Department of Education, and my job is to wow. make sure that all students have access to public education, which includes co-curricular activities. Uh, you didn't answer the damn question. You're the Secretary of Education. And honestly, I- I- anyone with common sense, anyone with any knowledge, this is laughable. If my mother was still alive, she'd be rolling her eyes going, are you out of your nut? Really seriously? And this is Leah Thomas. This is Leah Thomas that used to be a dude who literally in this, I mean, broad shoulders with a, with a swimsuit top on and curly hair and eye makeup, you know, uh, talking about uh, the possibility of uh, uh, kind of revamping Title IX so that women are protected and uh, Joe Biden actually vetoing it. Here's a little PSA from uh, Leah Thomas. It breaks my heart to see trans kids across the country lose out on these opportunities. Uh, you need a voiceectomy. The Department of Education has proposed a new rule for Title IX regarding transgender athletes. This rule would prohibit blanket bans on transgender kids, especially in grades K through 8. He's the only female swimmer in NCAA history who will need a prostate exam. It would not prohibit discrimination against trans kids. Turn your head there. In the high school and college levels under the guise of competitive fairness. This rule is a good start. However, it is not enough. 
Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, on the way, I've got some great audio from uh, Riley Gaines, who all she wanted to do was compete. All she wanted to do was be the best athlete, the best student, the best person she could be. And right now, there are people in this country who are considering her Satan. She had to lock herself in a room to prevent a physical attack in San Francisco two weeks ago. Uh, it's insane. We live in an insane time. It's time to say no to the insanity. Return from nonsense to common sense. 800-922-6680. It's The Rob Carson Show. Critical race theory in critical condition. It's the Rob Carson Show. You know, it's kind of funny. Uh, the Democrat Party, the only thing that they think women care about is abortion. That's it. You know, and they'll say, you know, like, equal pay, equal pay, uh, and all that. And uh, and honestly, if, if women were, in fact, paid 60% or, you know, 40% less than men for the same job, why isn't corporate America scrambling to replace men with women? It's because we do different jobs. We do different jobs. Men do the high risk stuff. We do. We do the. We do the. You know, uh, welding on high rises. We do the. Uh, we do the offshore. Uh, you know, lobster fishermen. We do that stuff, and you get paid a little bit more for it. That's just the way it is. Uh, you know, teachers don't make as much money, and nurses don't make as much money. I'm not saying women can just be nurses. Knock it off. I don't care. You can be my doctor. I'm just saying there are some jobs that women migrate to, some jobs that men migrate to, and a lot of times men are paid more for those jobs. So nonsense. But I think I just think it's kind of funny that the only thing, and I mentioned this earlier, the Democrat Party wants to distill a woman's being into whether she can have an abortion or not, which kind of makes me wonder why uh, people like uh, Leah Thomas are such a big deal. Because <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, and I, I could be wrong, maybe I, maybe I had a really poor uh, biology class, but I don't believe that people who are born with man parts can have uh, a baby. And, uh, and I also don't believe that... Um, that uh, they can have an abortion. I you know maybe I maybe it could be wrong. Maybe there's a you can have a you can identify as having an abortion. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's it. Uh, I wanted to mention Riley Gaines. Riley Gaines is an athlete from the University of Kentucky. Was uh, just an athlete, just a great swimmer, one of the best, the best swimmer, women swimmer in America. And until last year, she was completely happy with competing with <clears throat> other women and getting the title. And and men were completely uh, fine with men competing for titles. And and no woman who was a person who was born a woman who became a man would ever be able to be in the NBA would ever be to be uh, be on uh, on Major League Baseball would never be able to uh, be an Olympic shot putter on the men's team. It's just not going to happen. But uh, a lot of the times the left pick on women because they perceive women as being weaker. That's why you've got all these high profile men becoming women and then becoming the woman of the year. Do you see what I'm saying here? And that's why <clears throat> this movement is more Taliban-esque than the Taliban in itself, not the, not the religious right in this country. Here is uh, Riley Gaines on uh, the possibility of uh, rewriting Title IX so that women can compete with men this and men can compete with women. This question, I don't, I, I, this is something I'm trying to understand. There's so much that's contributing to the erasure of women, whether it be changing yeah. language. I mean, it's now offensive to use the term mother. It's birthing person, and, no. and now it's no longer breastfeeding. It's, it's chest feeder um so what's going on with the language what it's time to reject all of it i told you that just say no this has to end now it cannot be allowed to continue we can be tolerant we can be kind but this is nonsensical i mean there's so much that's 
erasing women. And notice how this isn't something that affects men. No. Notice how there's not going to be a biological woman no. or a no. trans man who will compete against the men. No. And I can tell you why that is. Mm. It's because a female can never be competitive with the men, especially at the elite level. And so th this whole ban, what the Biden administration is trying to do by rewriting Title IX, it only affects women and it affects women in a negative way. Why, why is the Democrat Party doing this to women? If you're a woman, I mean, what, what's what's happened to you that you you would be down with this? What 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 is what? Please uh, un, help me understand why you'd want the destruction of your sex and your. I mean, do you know how many young women go into sports and and they never get anything out of it? Just the satisfaction of competition. Uh, you know, uh, guys can move on; they can become uh, uh, you know very well paid athletes. Hundreds of millions of dollar contracts, all this. Women don't get that. Women are lucky, and thanks to Title IX, to even get scholarships in their sports. And, and as far as a pro career, you ain't going to get paid anything. WNBA, anybody? I could make more money uh, managing a, uh, uh, you know, a Payless shoe source. It really? It, it, so why even take the joy out of that? <laughs> Just, it's, it is ridiculous. Here's a little bit more from, uh, from Riley Gaines. It's an adult human female. When you see these videos of... Uh, yeah, where she's responding to Miguel Cardona, the Secretary of Education, not being able to say what a woman is. And anybody who can't name what a woman is, can't tell you what a woman is, is honestly uh, uh, just deserves derision. Uh, just needs to be made look, to look like a fool, uh, although just the words are enough. Typically, of course, the left or someone within the Biden administration who can't answer this question. We have a sitting Supreme Court justice who couldn't answer this question. It proves the state of our nation. It's, we're denying objective truth. We're denying what it, the sheer essence of humanity. Listen to this. This is a 22-year-old woman saying things that take most of us, uh, well, we don't get it until much later. Um, I hate to break it to all your viewers, but guess what? We were all here because we were, we were from man and woman. Shut up. And we're denying that. And it's chilling, it's unnerving, it, it's, it's truthfully just scary to think about. We have people in positions of power who are supposed to make these, these big decisions that govern the country who can't define a woman. Um, it, it's mind-blowing, it's beyond me, um, and, and truthfully, I, I don't understand why it's controversial. You know, why is no, this something that garners controversy? Why is this something that I got attacked for at San Francisco State for speaking about? It's mind-blowing. It, it's mind-blowing in its uh, incredible stupidity. And, uh, you know, I've been saying that, uh, for instance, <clears throat> any times the government says that what you think is disinformation or misinformation and the mainstream media and big social media agree with it, I say uh, it means they know you know the truth. And and that all started there. And everything that I've said about the, just all this nonsense is, is ultimately uh, uh, being discovered to be true. And, and, and like I said, you know, Berlin fell without a gunshot. The Berlin Wall fell without a gunshot. I remember. I, I remember watching it. I was just out of college, and I, and I saw it. And we can do that here. We can, we can end this woke nonsense. We can end this march toward totalitarianism, this, uh, this Maoist revolution, if we just stop and we say no. And we gird our uh, defenses uh, in case they tried to try anything really insane, right? So uh, there you go. There you go. Uh, let's talk about our vice president. Oh, my God, our vice president. We haven't had a good uh, vice president Kamala Harris update in a while, and she said some really, really, really stupid stuff. I'll share in a second. She's border side but won't go to the border. 
from Mexico, she stays so very far. She doesn't seem to care about law and order. Kamala! Responsibility, she's always shirking. Shirking. Maybe she's relaxing in some spa. It's seldom that you'll ever see her working. Kamala! It's a mystery That Kamala Kamala Could somehow become the VP You know she wants to move into the White House Yeah She can't wait to become the left's new star Disaster it would be What a tragedy If somehow she became the president So I'll start with this, uh, Salmi. This is Kamala Harris, who is uh, uh, raised in Berkeley, California, by two academics. Uh, one was a, a person of uh, African descent, and the other from a, uh, a, a person of, not even Af- African, I think it was like uh, Jamaican. Dad was a Jamaican, and, uh, and uh, mom was from India. And uh, Kamala only occasionally uh, takes the, uh, the black accent and uses it. She never does the stereotypical Indian accent. When she wants to pander. And because uh, with Indian people, I guess there's no political capital. But she can pander the hell out of the, uh, the black part of her persona. So here she is talking about uh, your medicine cabinet and the government being in your medicine cabinet and talking all sorts of kind of like Bill Cosby back in the 1970s. This is Kyle Harris talking about end of the and then the jello pudding. The impact is not only potentially about anything that might be in your medicine cabinet. And, you know, I'm not going to get in your business. But yeah, you I'm not going to get in your business. <laughs> just think about what might be in your medicine cabinet. <laughs> Could be all kinds of things that, that you need and a doctor prescribed, and that's your business with your that's doctor. Right. That's your business. Your man, it's your business. And then the next day she'll be like, hello and welcome to the uh, ribbon cutting for the new battery factory here. It's kind of, when, when, I'd love to, and I'm not uh, trying to be offensive intentionally. Why doesn't she just break into an Indian accent? Why doesn't she go, I don't think that people should be in your medicine cabinet. What is this really bad? I mean, honestly, why not? Why not? She's Indian. She's black and Indian. She has no problem transitioning into the, uh, into the uh, down with the struggle voice. The impact is not only potentially about anything that might be in your medicine cabinet. And, you know, I'm not going to get in your business, but you should just think about what might be in there you it. Go, there you go. Why didn't she do the other side? I want to know. It's pretty remarkable. We have the first Indian American as the vice president. We have the first Indian, but nobody says anything about it. <laughs> it is remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Here is a, oh, this is, this is fantastic. So Kamala Harris has no idea uh, how her food gets to her table. She has no idea how many people have to bring that food to her table, how many people have to farm fields with big tractors, plow up dirt, fertilize the dirt, put in the seeds, grow the crops, harvest the crops, feed the cattle, feed the chickies, whatever, make the vegetables, send in the camelas, whole foods. Here she is talking about, uh, uh, and, and this is really funny, and if uh, you truckers who are you're driving out there, you guys who have a diesel, uh, you know, uh, whatever, what kind of truck you got, KW, uh, whatever the hell. Um, anyway, 
uh, and I'm, I'm familiar with the trucking industry. I worked at a truck stop for four years in my high school. But she says it, with these old uh, tractor trailers, these semis, uh, you can just, you know, when they've uh, worn out their engine, you could just switch them to electric. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh, you, are you ready for this? You better be sitting down for this. If you, if you drive a dump truck, if you drive a pickup truck that's diesel, if you drive a tractor that is a diesel, if you drive anything that is diesel, I want you to listen to this moron. And transitioning, you know, this diesel truck that's on its last wheels. <laughs> I got jokes. Uh, no, they're terrible. And transitioning it to give it 10 more years of its lifespan, transitioning it to being an electric vehicle. <laughs> and as we were discussing it, because he's talking oh. about not only doing the work of transitioning oh. it, yeah. but the folks who are going to actually do the actual work, right, of changing its composition so that it can then be an electric vehicle. Well, we would have all traditionally called that person a mechanic, but now we're calling the person who's doing the EV stuff a technician. Yeah, you moron. You can't convert a tractor trailer, a half a million dollar KW, uh, from a diesel into an electric vehicle. You moron. And I'm going to tell you one of the reasons why uh, the tractor trailer will never be uh, diesel is because... Uh, a clean diesel truck can spend about 15 minutes fueling anywhere in the country. They have about a range of about 1,200 miles. This according to uh, uh, Ken Kramer with uh, Boyle Transportation. About 1,200 miles of fueling. If you fill your diesel truck, it takes 15 minutes to load them up, even the reefer. Uh, and I'm talking about the refrigerator unit under the tractor trailer. You need that, by the way, to keep the refrigeration unit going. It's not electric. It is electric, but it's run on diesel. Anyway, in contrast, today's long-haul battery electric trucks are you ready for this you want to know what their <laughs> you know what their range is truckers you want to hear this and, and kamala saying you can convert those old diesels into an electric car eee! yeah um 150 to 330 miles and uh would you like to guess how long it'll take you to charge up instead of just pulling into the truck stop filling up your truck and going and get some taquitos heading on out 10 hours. <laughs> 10 hours to go. 150 to 330 miles. Uh, honestly, these people are, are too stupid to be in charge and just barely uh, smart enough to be alive. It's, it's absolutely remarkable. Uh, on the way, I do want to share something. A uh, federal appeals court has struck down a Democrat city's natural gas ban. Yeah, they're that stupid. That's coming up. This is the Rob Carson Show. If the mainstream media, big social media, and the Democrat Party say you spread disinformation, it means you know the truth. The important is you said the truth. It's the Rob Carson Show. What is the uh, cleanest burning fuel? It's natural gas. It's uh, it's wonderful. Um, a federal appeals court has struck down a Democrat city's natural gas ban. The ordinance, as well as the solution it seeks, is an overreaching measure beyond the scope of any city. According to Restaurant Association, federal appeals court unanimously ruled Monday a natural gas ban proposed by the city of Berkeley. Oh, imagine that. Would illegally circumvent federal law. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit ruled that Berkeley's natural gas piping ban, which the city's government passed in 2019, a part of its climate change agenda, which won't do anything for climate change. We spent billions, trillions already in our country, trillions of dollars on climate change, green energy, crap. Has any of the panic uh, shared by the left with regard to climate change subsided? 
have we seen any meaningful results from all of the money being spent on stupid climate change crap? No, because it's nonsensical. If you don't believe me, uh, look at Barack Obama's two beachfront homes built on uh, the water where the uh, sea is supposedly rising. They don't believe it. They don't believe climate change like uh, Anthony Fauci didn't believe that, uh, that COVID was the worst pandemic in the history of mankind. Hence, the, uh, the height of the pandemic, he goes to a baseball game, throws out a pitch, and sits in the stands with no mask on. Uh, you know? Do, do you get it now? The, the rules that they live by versus us? So anyway, basically, uh, they were banning gas pipes in new building constructions. The city effectively violated the EPSCA, which prevents local regulations from impacting the energy use of natural gas appliances. I hate to tell you this. Uh, natural gas also uh, heats your water, uh, heats your home. Uh, it, uh, it, it actually uh, powers cities. Natural gas plants power cities. So if you get that you know, electric car and you plug it in, there's a real good chance, almost probably over 90% chance, that electric car that you can virtue signal on is powered by fossil fuels, and it always will be. And I hate to tell you this also, electric cars were the first cars, and uh, it wasn't the petroleum industry that uh, drove us to driving internal combustion engine cars. It was the fact that electric engines in large vehicles suck. There you go. So basically, in summation, Berkeley can't pass preemption by banning natural gas piping within buildings rather than natural, uh, banning natural gas products themselves. So at least they were able to turn this back. This is honestly the Ninth Circuit Court turned this down. So, uh, yeah, honestly. Again, it, there's a point where you just say nonsense. And, and listen, I have no problem if you want to buy an electric car. That is your business. I sold cars for three years. You know the story. I learned a lot about them. I learned that it is nonsensical to go from uh, a, a, an internal combustion engine and just go electric because hybrid technology is honestly your best bet if you want to save money uh, and you want to have your mileage increase dramatically. For instance, in a, in a, in a new Camry LE, you get 53 miles a gallon if you drive in the city, 53 miles a gallon. It's a hybrid. It has a gas engine, has an electric engine, uses the electric engine more in the city. When you want to charge your battery, how do you do it? Deceleration and braking charges the battery. And so you use the, the gas engine when you need it and the electric engine when you need it. There you go. It's perfect. Even the chairman of Toyota says it's a waste of time to go exclusively electric because you're going to be opening yourself up to a whole bunch of problems, including replacing a battery that costs as much as the car. Plus, also that, that these heavy metals are being mined in places like the Congo with child labor. They are toxically poisonous. They catch on fire, and they are impossible to put out. Ask any person who belongs to, who works in a fire department. You have to use so much water to put these out. You're almost facing a China syndrome when it involves an electric car, particularly electric car that has been in water or is, has water in the engine compartment. And then in wintertime, forget about it. And if you're hauling a load, forget about it. And if you're driving up and down hills, they're a joke. I have no problem with hybrid technology, not one little bit. But trying to jump to full, full uh, electric motors on every vehicle is a fool's errand, and everybody knows it. And all you have to do is say, no, I'm not buying one of those stinking, rotten cars. 
You can have whatever you want. You go right ahead. I ain't going to have it. Let's take a break and come back and wrap things up. This is the Rob Carson Show. That's going to do it for the show, guys. Please share the podcast with others for a complete list of where you can get it. Just go to newsmax.com slash listen. God bless you guys. I'll see you tomorrow. And in the meantime, don't catch the stupid. See you.